0: Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 2 Nephi 6-8 through today. Hopefully we'll get as far as we can in these chapters. Even though Nephi is technically responsible for writing 2 Nephi, he asked his brother Jacob to now read the Isaiah um, chapters. So for the next few chapters, we hear the words of Jacob for um, telling us about Isaiah. He's teaching the people. If you'll remember, Nephi called his brother Jacob to be the teacher of the people, and as I said last time, he had a burning testimony of the Savior having seen him as a young boy, and he also has a strong testimony of Nephi's mission to these people. The other thing we talked about last time was that the Nephites knew that Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed, and I'm sure this caused some real sadness and maybe some worry about whether or not the Lord had abandoned them or forgotten them. So Nephi and Jacob's choice to teach them Isaiah was important so that they would know that they were not forgotten and that as long as they remained on the covenant path, they would be covenant people. Also that the house of Israel would again be restored to its place— and not scattered any more, but would be gathered in. This seemed to be Nephi's mission, and Second Nephi to convince his people that Jesus is the Christ, and that they had not been cast off forever. It's also, of course, in the title page of the Book of Mormon, which says, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord has done for their fathers, and that they may know that the covenants of the Lord. Um, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself into all nations. So that was in the title page. That seems to be the whole um, effort of, of Nephi to convince his people. So Jacob is very concerned about the people and their welfare. He's already taught them about um, the things from the creation of the world, and now he's going to talk to them about things that which are and the things that are to come, specifically about the Savior. And that's why he's going to read them the words of Isaiah, mainly so they can hear him talk about the house of Israel, so that they remember that they too are of the house of Israel. We're not going to go verse by verse, but I will pick out, pick out some important things for Jacob um, that Jacob read them from Isaiah. He begins by telling them that this has happened to the Jews that were left in Jerusalem. This is in verse 8. And now I, Jacob, would speak somewhat concerning these words. For behold, the Lord has shown me that those who were at Jerusalem from whence we came have been slain and carried away captive. Many of the Jews were killed, but all the Jews that were left in Jerusalem were taken into captivity. They would return eventually to Jerusalem and rebuild the city, but not for many years later. Okay, back to verse 9. And now he tells them a little bit of Jewish history that's to come, including about the Savior and what the Jews will do to him. This is in verse 9. Nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again. And he also has shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh And after he should manifest himself, they should scourge him and crucify him according to the words of the angel who spake it unto me. And after they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy One of Israel, behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them, and the day cometh that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh, and shall not be suffered to perish because of the prayers of the faithful. They shall be scattered, and smitten, and hated. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them. But when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. So, after having returned to Jerusalem, they'll once again fall due to the rejection of the Messiah. But not all is lost. He's telling them in the last days they will be gathered again when the Savior returns. Okay, this uh, going on to verse 14. And behold, according to the words of the prophet, the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover them. Wherefore, he will manifest himself unto them in power and great glory unto the destruction of their enemies. When that day cometh, when they shall believe in him, and none will he destroy that believe in him. We talked about the things that would happen when the Savior comes the second time when we read the book of Revelation. The second time, he'll come in power and great glory. Those who refuse to believe him this time will be destroyed. So chapter 7 is Isaiah 50 in the Old Testament. Jacob talks about the Savior. Isaiah is talking about the Jews, but this is something that Jacob wants his own people to know. We learned in the New Testament that the Savior is the bridegroom and the wedding party And he compares the covenant we make with him like a marriage. The Lord does not pull away from us like someone who gives a spouse divorce papers. We pull away from him. Now the question gets asked here in uh, 2 Nephi 7.10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord that obeyeth the voice of his servant that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Of course we don't. If we fear or have respect for the Lord and obey the commandments, we have no darkness within us, simply because we love and fear the Lord. But there are others who try to live by their own life. Light. This is in verse 11. Behold all ye that kindle fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks which ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. It's an interesting term, walking in the light of your fire. There are times when people rely on other people more than the Lord. They feel that their wisdom is greater than that of the Lord's. And sparks, so to speak, sparks they have kindled of their own. They walk in the light of their own fire. President Joseph F. Smith talked about just this type of people that falsely teach, using their own light, preaching false doctrines disguised as truths, he said, they're proud ones who read by the lamps of their own conce- own conceit. That was Joseph F. Smith. Think about both of those verses. We can walk in the light of the Lord, or we can try to make our own light. When we try to make our own, we will face disappointments. Jesus is the light of the world, and we'll find peace and safety in his light and not our own. Uh, someone, I found someone named Wendy Eaton, and this is what she said. Do not start your own fires, but God start His fire in your heart. I thought that was kind of profound. Second Nephi 8 is Isaiah in the Old Testament chapters 51 and 52. It talks mostly about the latter-day gathering of Israel. The Lord promised that the redeemed of Zion will return and come with singing unto Zion. I'm sure that this helped the Nephites feel better about their situation, knowing that one day they'll be able to return to their homeland if they remain faithful. Elder Bruce R. talked about this gathering of the Jews to their homeland. This is what he said. Judah will gather to Old Jerusalem in due course. Of this there is no doubt. But this gathering will consist of accepting Christ, joining the church, and receiving anew the Abrahamic covenant as it is ministered in holy places. The present assembling of people of Jewish ancestry into the Palestinian nation of Israel is not the scriptural gathering of Israel or of Judah. It may be a prelude thereto, and some of the people so assembled may in due course be gathered into the true church and kingdom of God on earth, and they may then assist in building the temple that is destined to grace Jerusalem's soil. But a political gathering is not a spiritual gathering, and the Lord's kingdom is not of this world. That was Bruce R. McConkie in his book, A New Witness for the Articles of Faith. 2 Nephi 8 quoted Isaiah as admonishing Abraham's seed to remember their covenant heritage, to stay strong and live by their covenants. Abraham was promised that through the restoration of the gospel, that his seed would be able to learn the gospel and know its truths, and once again be a Zion people. I wasn't going to say much about 2 Nephi 8, but then I read this awesome explanation for verse 1. Let's read verse 1 first. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. Look unto the rock from which ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which ye are digged. D. Kelly Ogden and Andrew Skinner had this great um, uh, explanation for, the, for remembering the rock from which you are hewn. This is what they said. We must live up to the covenant called after Abraham. Ultimately, the covenant is centered on the rock of our salvation, which is Jesus Christ. The image is of a quarry. We are just smaller pieces of the parental rock. We are made of the same stuff as Abraham, and we are also made of the same stuff as Christ and God, since we are children of God. There is a reason why the Lord wants us to do our genealogy and know from whence we are digged. We should not forget those who went before us, and because that is what links us all together as a world family. That was uh, D. Kelly Ogden and Andrew Skinner. When I was doing the Relief Society Family History uh, newsletter blurb, I found this quote by Stephen Robert Kuda. This is what he said, The sacrifice our ancestors gave yesterday gave us today and our tomorrow. So I think as we go about our busy days filled with things to do, places to be, we can sometimes forget the legacy given to us by our ancestors. You are what you are and where you are in your life today, in part because of your ancestors. A behavioral geneticist says, DNA differences inherited from our parents are the consistent, lifelong sources of our psychological individuality, the blueprint that makes us who we are. We owe it to our ancestors to know who they are and what we've inherited from them. You need to look unto the rock from whence ye are hewn. So, until next time.